0: I hate the cross. I hate the cross. Crucifixion is a gruesome exhibition of wicked man's twisted disposition to inflict painful punishment and derision on other wicked men. Death is a wage that is paid to the guilty. And no matter how visibly clean or how filthy we may seem to be, we deserve to be put to death on a cross and worse. The truth hurts and that's the truth. You are guilty, I am guilty. And really, I hate the cross because it's the horrific fate of my own creation and it has to be taken. But your and my demise, no matter how we may die, is insufficient. Why? The nature of our offenses is infinitely offensive because of the infinitely holy nature of the one we've offended. And this is why hell is an infinite duration. The bottomless cup of wrath that God is impelled by His nature to pour out upon imperfection cannot be fully spent on His finite creation unless it be poured out forever. But rather than severing mankind from His graces, the infinitely gracious aspect of His nature ordained to give mankind a savior before the foundation of creation was laid. Jesus the Son is His name. It's amazing, see, He left the glory and fame. The tireless multitudes of angels exclaiming, Great is your name. And he came to the earth that he spoke into being. Philippians 2.8 says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. Divine propitiation. You see, God wasn't lenient. Wrath was poured on the Savior in the place of the crooked, perverse generations who've despised and forsaken Christ Jesus. We've hated him. So we see justice and grace on display in the God-man who knew no sin but became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That was God's plan. Jesus said, it is finished. Breathed his last and he died. Not asleep or unconscious, no chance of being revived. Taken down off the cross, his corpse laid in a tomb. There the true life lay lifeless. His disciples' hopes doomed. Before dawn on the third day, the Christ sisters came over with spices to mass decomposing flesh ripeness. When to their great amazement, the great stone that had covered the mouth of the grave had been rolled away and the place where his body had been laid was now vacant. Then a dazzling angel appeared and he said, why do you look for the living in tombs for the dead? This Jesus you now mourn is risen today. Only grave clothes remain in the cave you was placed in. It's true." God was proved greater than sin, death, and Satan. His great resurrection was great vindication of his righteous perfection. He got paid sin's death sentence, and it took less than three days to be fully spent on his excellence. So I love the cross, so I love the cross. It is not the end of our story. Jesus rose from the dead, ascended, and by his Spirit lives in us, our hope of glory. What should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can oppose? I am convinced that no height, and no depth, and no foe, and no power of hell, and no scheme of man, and no thing that is present, and no thing that is past, and no thing that is coming upon us that's troubling can succeed in plucking us out of his hand. We overwhelmingly conquer through him who has loved us Death has lost its cruel sting. And now, hallelujah, 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 victorious is the chorus we sing. Would you stand up to your?
1: go oh.
2: and the world behind us a symbol of torture and of death restored and made into the ultimate symbol of life and restoration and redemption Lord you are enough we come before you tonight with ashes and sackcloth we come as your believers came to Friday night as broken people. Let our praise reflect our understanding of the fullness of the story, even as we take a moment to pause on Friday night and reflect. Lord, may you be lifted high tonight in name and spirit may this body be drawn close together and close to you because of the time that we spend here, Lord, because your spirit is here, because you are present, because you are good, because you are renewing and restoring. We give the rest of this night over to you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, the lamb who was slain, it's in his name we pray, amen. Would you be seated? You may have noticed that this Good Friday service has taken on a little bit of a different tone than Good Friday services of the past. We wanted to put a different emphasis on tonight. You know, if you think about the context of the Holy Week story, um, the final, you know, the Last Supper and the taking of Christ would have happened last night, would have happened on Thursday night. Uh, Friday was the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. They had to have him crucified and done by the end of the day to avoid political upheaval. So by this point... In the Jesus narrative, by 7.15 p.m., the sun had gone down, the Sabbath had begun, and the followers of Christ had seen their Lord crucified and put in the ground. And I, I have a vivid imagination, sometimes perhaps too much, um, but I like to imagine, what were they going through that night? You know? What, what were they processing through? Um, because I don't think they understood what was happening just yet. I, I really don't. And it's... Um, it's one thing for us to, to reflect on that, but another thing to to really live through it. Um, you know, theologians are kind of divided on on what happened during Friday night and Saturday before Sunday morning, and uh, we're not going to even get into that right now, but um, I think whatever was happening, Christ was reformatting the way that the world works. He was in the process of restoration. Um, His resurrection was simply the evidence of that. He was already at work on Friday night and during Saturday. I don't know what he was doing, but that's one of the things I want to ask him. What did you do? How would you fix it? Um, And we find ourselves in that pause. He came, he lived, he ministered, he died, he was resurrected, and he ascended to heaven. And he said, I'm coming back. And here we are kind of in the middle. And I take great joy in the understanding that even in the middle, he's making things new. I don't know how. I don't know exactly what he's doing. I can't wait to ask him. But I know that he's done it. And I know that he's doing it. So tonight for Good Friday, we wanted to just kind of honor that middle space. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the crucifixion and... We're going to talk about what God was doing, what he was making new, and we're going to celebrate that tonight. We're going to celebrate it with communion, we're going to celebrate it with story, we're going to celebrate it with some art and some more worship in a moment. Um, But right now we're going to celebrate it by this incredible video that our team has put together. Would you please turn your attention to uh, the screen and and enjoy um, this little story about what God's up to.
3: I was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer.
4: And the doctor called us into the office and told us he had six months to 12 months to live.
3: And I always seem to have this hope that I'm really not dying. I'm really not dying yet, so.
4: It was the worst time in our whole family life.
3: I was turning yellow and starting to itch all over. So I went to the hospital to see what was up. and. They did some sort of scan. Turns out my bile duct was collapsing because there was a tumor on my pancreas.
5: So he had surgery at UCLA in January and my mom and I and my dad and Ellen were all in the waiting room at UCLA. So we were ushered into this little room and um, the doctor came down and said, I have bad news. Uh, Gordon's cancer had spread to the liver. We had to close him up and uh, there really isn't much to do.
4: The only thing to do was to try to give him chemo, see if he could tolerate it and slow the disease down. I was I couldn't stay with the family. I was just so,
1: yeah.
4: so in need of prayer. And I was just crying and begging God to please, please let him live.
3: It was hard to me to find complete joy with my wife next to me, who was also diagnosed with breast cancer, the triple negative cancer. You know, I have children. I love my kids. I loved her. All this sadness kept piling up in me, and all these circumstances were just horrible. And she was uh, dying. She was finally failing the the chemo. Nothing was working for her. She tried all these chemo's. It uh, It was a time to say goodbye, and she had passed. And it was the worst kiss I ever felt, <laughs> where our tubes clicked each other as I kissed her. Um, it's, uh, it's sad. It's just sad what happens.
4: When Dr. Donahue went in and told him that he only had 6 to 12 months to live, the first words out of his, out of his mouth was, I don't deserve to go to heaven. And I said, honey, that's exactly why you do deserve, it, because you know that you're a sinner, and you know that that's why God died on the cross for you. And I knew he knew that. And uh, that was just the beginning of of Gordon's journey back.
3: I wake up in the morning, and, and the surgeon comes in, and he grabbed his assistants and everybody. Um, the pathology reports came back, and uh, he goes, get on the phone, call your wife, call your wife. And I go, what are you talking about? He was so
5: excited and he had said that uh, the PATH results had come in and they had done 17 biopsies on the liver and the pancreas, and all of them were negative.
3: The biopsies coming back negative everywhere for a stage four pancreatic patient, it's unheard of. I remember later on that month I go to get results from a a CT scan and a nurse came in a new wasn't my doctor she was another oncologist and she says your report is reading that all your cancer is gone and I said that's kind of mean you got the wrong chart it's Gordon Melanie's chart and she's going no really all your tumors have disappeared off the chart
4: months ago in August I got sick on a family reunion and sent to the hospital and they discovered that I had pancreatic cancer.
5: When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I I told Gordon that I was really strong when he got cancer and I was strong when Ellen got cancer, but my mom's my best friend and I couldn't figure out why God was doing all this and allowing all this in our family. And I know that He pieces it all together for a perfect plan and my mom really was able to just um, help me trust the Lord and I've always since then had this peace that it's not my plan—it's—it's it's God's plan, and um, because of the cross, we have the peace of God, and we have peace with God. With us
4: and our families, time of trial—we call it our what do storm. We, our storm. It's been three years of of, of hard things to accept, but. Oh my goodness, do we see the result of God's love in our, in our family life, and we love each other more than ever. You know, Gordon was my prodigal son, and I've prayed for him for, well, he's 58 years old, <laughs> so for years and years. I always knew he loved the Lord, but I knew he was going his own way.
3: The real miracle was that, <laughs> the real miracle was that my heart has changed. Not just the, the physical side, but the, the miracle is that I realize who God is to me, who Christ is personally to me. Everybody I come in, I've come in contact with kept telling me that they were petitioning to God to save me. And um, it's happened. It's happened. My life has been spared and, and God's using it all over the place.
6: Amen. What a great video that was. Wasn't that powerful? I want to especially thank Michael Lubin for putting the work in, for putting that together. I remember just about a, a month ago on a Saturday sitting around the table and, uh, and just hearing from the Melanie uh, family, just celebrating the story of God's faithfulness and provision uh, to their family and uh, just sitting in here and hearing just story after story. They'd all kind of each taking turns piping in. I was actually at the table. I didn't make the cut on the edit. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, the first edit, I was out. No, but um, but just hearing them share. And one of the stories they, they mentioned was uh, the first time that he was getting the report of uh, the 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 diagnosis. And and really, if you're familiar at all with pancreatic cancer, for many, it's it's really just a death sentence. There's not a, a lot of good news. Uh, coming with that. I was looking online and it's less than a, maybe you know this, less than a 1% survival rate and even less that actually uh, go on to live full life. So praise the Lord for that. But uh, they were sharing and and he was telling the story of this uh, Jamaican nurse that came in after he had gotten the diagnosis, uh, a a larger Jamaican lady. And with her emphasis, she says, son, don't, don't you let anyone tell you how much time you have left. Just God can decide that. (laughs) And, uh, and, and it was neat because actually God did decide that his time wasn't up, that his, that his life wasn't coming to an end. And they kept sharing, and they were, as they're telling the story, they're talking about a conversation that they had with another nurse. And she explained his, uh, after he had uh, come out of cancer, uh, a couple initials. They said he was NED. I was like, "What does NED mean? I don't really, uh, I don't really recognize that term with all of my medical background." Uh, And and they uh, they explained. uh, They said NED means no evidence of disease. No evidence of disease. And I was thinking about that. What an awesome report to get from somebody to, to find out that not only was the cancer in remission, not only had they controlled it or sustained it or, or, or prolonged his or extended his life, there was actually no evidence of disease left in his body. I was thinking about that. like What a beautiful picture of what happened on the cross. What Jesus Christ did on our behalf, on our behalf, he, didn't, he just, didn't just try to cover over our sin issue, didn't try to just uh, just paint over, didn't, didn't try to just push it off to the side, but there's actually, if we've embraced Jesus' death as payment for our sins, there's no evidence of disease. Romans 8.1 tells us that, that those who are in Christ, there's, there's no condemnation, nothing, none, zero, zilch, there's nothing. And so that's the thing that we're coming together even here tonight to celebrate by taking time to remember what Jesus actually did. The God of the universe, God in an earth suit, coming down, living the perfect life, and then dying on a cruel Roman cross so that we could experience new life. That we'd have no evidence of disease. I love this passage in Revelations that explains this end goal that was in mind. Revelations 21.3 says this, I love this. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that. I love that picture that, that what was happening on the cross was the beginning, the start, as Chad talked about, the start of events that changed everything for us, our eternity. Now, granted, a lot of us are just like, I don't feel like everything's all new. I feel like I'm still in the midst of the struggle, but it's not all fully realized yet. We're in that gap period when we finally come face to face with Christ. Then we're gonna experience what's described there where in completion, all things are made new. I love in the, in the text there that he says this. I thought it was a little bit unique that after he made that statement, Jesus on the throne saying, behold, I'm making all things new. He says, also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I thought that was neat to think about this, this, this invitation, not even an invitation, a call to, to take time to remember, to write this down, because it's something that we're supposed to hold on to. You'll notice here on your left, my, my right, we had a, a couple artists, Rachel and Amy from our uh, congregation that had put together this, this piece of art with a picture of a cross there. And you can see there the description, Behold, I am making all things new. What we've set up now is a, a chance for us, a little bit of a, a pause in our evening and an audience participation part. And uh, Chad was concerned as to whether you guys were going to be able to handle this. I believe we're going to do all right with this. Are you guys okay with this? All right, dig so... uh deep people, dig deep. <laughs> that's right. And, and so my hope and my prayer and what we've been praying for even as an elder board is that coming to these services and things like this would be a time where you really get a chance to enter in yourself or where you get a chance to really do business with God. That's our desire as a church, not to just be an event that you come and observe, but you engage. And so we've tried to, as best as we can, to create an environment where you can do that. And so we have three different stations as a chance for you to now, in your own timing, at your own pace respond to good friday respond to what jesus has done on our behalf making us no evidence of disease and so this painting here the first one this i'll call this station one we have there is some cards that are sitting on the table there to the side and it has a list of different things scripturally that god describes as being made new in our lives new freedom new mind new heart new creation new strength, new hope, new peace, and you can go through that list and maybe pick one of the words that resonates for you. That you're like, you know, that's, that speaks to me. That, that describes what I've experienced as being made new in my life. And then you're gonna take one of the Sharpie markers there, and I know it's always hard to, uh, to write on something pretty, but here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna collectively m- complete this piece of art. So you're going to write one of those words. You pick which one you want and somewhere, kind of like a yearbook, you know, uh, somewhere probably about two inches so you can see it from a, a, a bit of a distance. You're going to write that on there. And I hope that tons of you participate in that. I don't want to see like one word in the bottom right corner on that board uh, when this is all said and done. So a chance to, in worship, create art about what God has made new in your life. Second area here is this one you'll see, uh, this This kneeler, I don't know if you've ever experienced a a prayer kneeler that's a little bit old school where you get down and you get a chance to pray. And we're not gonna ask you to come up and necessarily do that. But we're gonna have some uh, staff and elders that are available here. And some of you, if you were to be honest with yourself, you're like, yes, I get this big picture idea of being made new. But like personally, there's a lot of things that I'd love to see new in my life. I'd love to see my health look different, look new this year. I'd love my marriage to look different, to look new. There's, there's things that whether it's a job, finances, whether it's health, whether there, there's a lot of us that are waiting for some things to become new. And when that happens, what do we do? Go, we go to pray. I love in the story, the testimony was there. There's tons of people petitioning on Gordon's behalf, praying that he'd be made new. And so we want to invite you to ch- join in. We just have some people up here just w- willing to pray and being available just over the next 10 minutes. Just, hey, come up and say, like put put all abandoned to like what things look like or that's weird to go have somebody pray for. Even if you need a big hug, go up there, get a hug, get prayed for. We can do what we want here. Uh, And and so this next, the third one, you can probably guess where that's going is a little bit more of a traditional response to uh, Good Friday. And that's a chance to celebrate communion. It's a chance for us to slow down and actually pause do a little bit of self-assessment, do some self-inventory, confess sins. This is in scripture described as something to do for a believer, somebody that's embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Parents, if you don't mind helping kids with that if they choose to participate. But John Irwin and our uh, myself and our wives will be up there and serving communion, and it's real simple. We're just it's, we're going old school, just breaking off a, a piece of bread, dip it into the the juice, and then taking it right there. Don't drag it around the the worship center. That'd be great. And uh, and so that's what we're gonna do, and give you some allotted time to do business with God. We've tried to be creative and some opportunities for that, trying to meet you in a, in a place that's, that's relevant to your life. And so we're going to just, over the next 10 minutes, we're going to have a chance to, to do that. And so I just turn this time over to you and to choose. But my hope is, is that nobody will stay in their seat. Sound good? All right, let me pray as we start our time. God, we just submit this time to you and we want it to be an act of praise because you're the God that through your work on the cross are making all things new. No evidence of disease, God. We thank you for that. We praise you. Now we submit this time into your hands in Jesus' name.
2: join us in singing In All Things In All Things
6: only Jesus Christ could make something beautiful out of a cruel Roman cross amen dear Lord we thank you so much for the gift the sacrifice the extreme pain and suffering that you went through to make things new on our behalf God we're so grateful here tonight we honor you we glorify you we raise your name high because you are worthy of all of that. We praise you now. We praise you in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful evening in the Lord. God bless you.